123412341222211 right i'm just going to get started right bricks and mortar mortgages buying selling renting property i'm sure there'll be something there for you but you've got to have a bit of an interest in property to uh, get to grips with this little podcast of mine so this is number 76 and what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the market because everybody is talking about the market it is absolutely bonkers out there still going crazy talk a little bit of the market we're coming up to the six month um, our year runs from september so uh, coming up to the end of february we're up to our six months so i'll give you a little bit of an analysis of where we're at with the firm and a little bit a few bits and pieces with regards to that and then we'll talk about the first home fund first home fund is back folks yes the first home fund is back they ran out of money and now it's back starting first of april so if you're a first-time buyer stay tuned and i will give you some tidbits i'm not a big fan i'll tell you that now not a big fan of the first home fund but if you haven't got two halfpennies to rub together and you haven't got a deposit it is for you, but if you've got 10%, then you know what? <clears throat> it's expensive, boring. As far as I'm concerned, it's expensive, boring. I'll touch on that later. But listen, let's talk about the bonkers market because it is not, or it doesn't seem anyway, to be going away. I had been thinking that there was going to be more property on the market. Slowly but surely, I think that that will happen but it is still crazy, crazy bonkers. I'm going to tell you about three stories that we had this week. First one, Alderman Road. Alderman Road out in Knightswood. You can imagine, those of you who live in the West End probably know the Knightswood properties, four in a block, but this is a special one. This was a corner plot, and I think a lot of developers have been sniffing because it was dead easy to make an extension out of it. So anyway, client came to me wanting to put an offer in and we went 10 above home report value. I honestly didn't think we were going to get it. And as it transpired, we didn't get it. So we were 10 over home report. And I don't think we were ever even close. Six notes of interest. I still need to speak to the estate agents to see exactly what it went for. But I would have thought, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if it had gone for 170 because a developer would have snapped that up. They possibly, I mean, it was almost big enough to put another uh, plot on so it was a huge, huge garden and we just didn't have a sniff on it. And that went really, really quickly just on the market and then boom, went to a closing date just like that. I told you last week, a week before, about the property on Melville Street. That was the South Side property. Home reported at 225. We'd gone in with a note of interest on the Monday. Clients saw it on the Sunday. It just actually went onto the market on the Friday and we popped in a note of interest. We were told at that time there had been eight notes of interest. This is, remember, 11 o'clock in the morning, Monday morning, first set of viewings, eight notes of interest. So we knew it was going to go bonkers and as it turned out, it did go bonkers. They phoned me back that day to say it was going to go to a closing date on the Thursday. They'd already had 13 notes of interest so we went as high as we were prepared to go and it was a good offer in any other market it would a good strong offer but we were nowhere close let me tell you 19 offers 1919 offers that's what they got and it went north of 260 225 was the home report value north of 260 I just hope the people that have bought that property, a two-bedroom, 
jinx they're going to have to be staying in that property for a long 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 period of time even if the market continues to go nut bar i just to me for now what's that that's 45 grand over home report value Whew. anyway let's talk about another one Southside property this one here offers over 265 home reported at 290 12 offers and the clients decided not to take the highest offer and that is a salutary lesson for those of you who are out there you don't always get the property if you've got your highest offer in this particular instance the highest offer was in a chain whereas those which were six grand lower than the highest offer which the the uh, they ended up going for they went for that because it was less problematic so a lot of my clients come to me and they say well is it going to be the highest offer that wins and it's not always the case your circumstances can be worth money. So if you're a cash buyer and you're buying something that potentially is going to attract second time buyers, then if you're a cash buyer and you have got no property to sell, then that can be worth a heck of a lot of money. Because ultimately what the sellers are looking for is that the sellers are not looking at the sale of their property. They've already got their eyes on the prize as far as their new property is concerned. Their future does not lie in the property that they are selling. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Their future lies in the new property. And if you can do anything to facilitate that and make that as easy as possible, i.e. no mortgage, cash buyer, and you're not in a chain, let me tell you, it will be worth money. There is no doubt about that. So the market is continuing. I think it will start to calm down. I think that there will be more properties on the market. I cannot think that there will be more buyers that come into the market. So I think there will be a levelling off of prices. People have asked me, what is my view as far as where we're going to be in six months time? I think that will all depend upon how hard we come out of, of lockdown. If it's a soft landing as far as lockdown is concerned and we don't see the amount of redundancies then I don't think we're going to have this cataclysmic we fall off the edge of a cliff but if the unemployment rates start to go up dramatically and people start losing their jobs then certainly there will be a tailing off of demand whether or not that leads to us all jumping off the cliff I'm not convinced because I think that those that are in the sectors where employment is most at risk are probably those that maybe are not necessarily in the buying market. They're, they're maybe renting, they're possibly first-time buyers. So I don't think that there's going to be this whole raft of properties that suddenly get repossessed. I may be wrong, um, but I think the last thing what the, the government want is for a whole raft of repossessions the last thing that banks want is for a whole raft of repossessions so listen we live in interesting times there is absolutely no doubt about that and i am surprised that this wave that we've been riding since august has continued for as long as it has so it's fair to say that we have been a beneficiary there's no doubt about that there's been we've been a beneficiary as far as this wave of uh of the market and uh, we we've been we've we've done 
you know, pretty well. The situation is that we ended up coming out in August when the market opened. Our, the leads, the amount of leads that we generated on a month-to-month basis pretty much doubled overnight. And it's fair to say that it's continued that way. Now, I'm not convinced that that has been anything to do with some sparkling social media campaign or some great hike as far as our conversion rates are concerned. I just think that there's been a lot more people looking for mortgages and we've been the recipient of that. Now, don't get me wrong, we've ramped up the social media, we've changed the website, we're hoping to make it, certainly I think it is more interactive, certainly the feedback that we've got from the website is that if you've not been onto the website, go and have a look at it, dub, dub, dub bricks and mortar mortgages. What we're trying to do is we're trying to do a lot more video content. Uh, One of the great things that we've got there, in fact, is a video, 20, uh, it's about 10 videos, two minute videos, all about the closing date and how you can potentially manipulate your way through the closing date to try and get yourself a, a, a successful offer. Great little series, though I say it myself, and you might want to go and have a look at that. We're still out there with the Instagrams and we've got the Facebook. We've started to get some really positive feedback as far as the Facebook is concerned. I've now managed to get away where it's dead easy for our clients. We send them an email and it's just a click onto a Facebook tab and then they're immediately into the review section. So that's really working a treat. And so figures are are going well we're hoping to try and reach 160k in income this year which means that by the end of february we need to be looking at at 80k at the halfway point of the year and it looks as if we're sort of bubbling around about 85 so really really pleased as to how hard everybody's been working in the team and and uh, take my hat off to all the hard work and dedication in a time where we are still working remotely uh we've got Catherine, who's gone into the advisor roles, doing a, a tremendous job. And we've got Amy, who's only just started with us in October, didn't know anything about mortgages. And it's been, you know, I, I take my hat off to Amy. I mean, there's somebody who has just joined us. And within a couple of weeks of joining us, we ended up having to send her back to our flat. And that's where she's been trying to learn the ropes as far as a mortgage admin is concerned. And, and she's just doing so, 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 so well. So that's really, really encouraging. Hole in the floor at the back of the office is getting fixed. I've got Jimmy Perry sorting that out and the insurance is going to pay up. And I got a new bike. I went to this, somebody nicked my bike. Outside of the, the shop, broad daylight, somebody's pinched my bike. Now, the bike that I had was on its last legs. It's fair to say there were six spokes, yes, six spokes out of the back wheel. So when you actually rode along, you looked like a clown because the back wheel was wobbling so much that you just, it looked like a bit of a clown bike. So um, I went out for a run at five o'clock from the office, came back and the bike had gone. Uh, So... I half, half, I half thought that the bike would be uh, turfed in the back lane once the the crims who had taken the bike jumped on it, realised that uh, it wasn't going to it wasn't going to work. So I'm just going to have to. I think we're struggling here with power. There we go. I think having 
power issues there. Uh, yes, so the the back wheel. So I've not seen it on Gumtree. I don't think it's worth a penny farthing. Uh, so I managed to get uh, a new bike. So that is great. And then number a uh, daughter number one, who's up in Aberdeen studying. Uh, she is pally with some people in Jordan Hill who went to the school there and it's number two obviously plays hockey I've talked about that ad, ad nauseum and one of our pals who plays hockey had gone to Jordan Hill school which is just opposite where the office is and as I guess with with all sons and daughters when they're at, uh, at uni they will be asking questions about what their parents do etc so it came up in conversation that eight, that number two had said that you know our father was a mortgage broker and he ran this business at bricks and mortar mortgages in jordan hill and her pal said oh that's the standing up guy and number two said sorry what what do you mean he said yes 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 it's all over jordan hill that he's the strange guy who stands at his desk and works. So there we go. I might not be known for mortgages yet in Jordan Hill, but if I'm known as the standing guy, then we're probably getting somewhere there. So um, if any of you are listening from from Jordan Hill, then uh, yes, I am the standing guy and I can do mortgages as well. So the whole point of the show is really to talk about the First Home Fund and it's back. It did so well last time round that they ran out of money. And the First Home Fund is there to help those that are first-time buyers getting on the property ladder. Now, you can have somebody who is a second-time buyer. So you can have um, two people buying and one may already have a property and one of them may be a first-time buyer. So they can get the first home fund as long as the person who owns the property sells their property so that at the end of the day when they buy a property, they've only got the one property. It is only for first-time buyers, okay? So your buy-to-lets are not going to be prepared you're not even if you're a first-time buyer and you're trying to buy something and you're going to use it, say, as a buy-to-let. That ain't going to work because you've got to use it as your main principal residence. It's going to cost you 550 quid to get an application through. What happens is that you will have your legal offer to buy a property accepted. Once you've got that, then you would apply to the first home fund you pay your £550, which is refunded if you do not get the award. You get the award letter and then you give that to your solicitor, mortgage broker, and then off you go to get a mortgage. Now, you still need to have a 5% deposit. That's You need to understand that. This isn't 100% territory. This is 5% deposit that you need. So you need to make sure that you've got a 5% deposit. The government will give you up to a maximum of £25,000 and what will happen then is that if you use your 5% 
of the value of the property, then you can use the remaining 25%, which will then mean that the loan-to-value that you will get from your lender will be a much lower loan-to-value, and therefore you should be able to negotiate much better deals. Now, I think that was the idea, but there's not every lender that will be offering first home fund. And as with all these things, as soon as you put a stamp on a particular product and you only allow certain people to get it, then what tends to happen is that the costs associated, i.e. the interest rate that is charged, set, tends to be slightly higher because it's a niche product. But again, you can't have everything. You know, if somebody's going to give you 25 grand and you're going to be able to get a mortgage for a 5% deposit when normally you need a 10% deposit, then, you know, you can't look the gift horse in the mouth. I'm going to talk a bit about it towards the end about my views on what the first home fund is, but it, it, it can be expensive because you've got your 550 that you've got to pay. Admittedly, you'll get that back if you can't get the first home fund award letter. But your solicitor is probably going to charge you more because the amount of paperwork, I mean, I've seen the paperwork that needs to be looked at for the first home fund and it's war and peace. I mean, it's pages and pages and pages and your solicitor has to go through that. And what will happen is that the first home fund, they will employ their own set of solicitors just to make sure that the I's are dotted and the T's crossed. So again, it's a bit clunky. I have to say the times we've used it, I felt that it's been a bit clunky. And again, because the solicitors will charge more, then you've, you're going to end up uh, probably having to pay more. I mean, I think... I've had solicitors charging £400 plus VAT extra over on top of what they're charging. And I think that, you know, I, th I think from a solicitor's point of view, it's fair charging because, as I say, there's a lot more work involved. So that is the cost associated with that. Once you get to a stage of buying the property, okay, then you should be thinking about trying to pay back as quickly as possible the first home fund because, and again, I'll explain this to you at the end, one of the concerns that I've got is that you may become a prisoner in that property and I'll explain about you know, the, the repayment and why that is of a concern a little bit later. But you should be thinking about trying to buy what are called tranches back from the government. So what will happen is that they will give you the £25,000, they will, or up to £25,000, they will then calculate what that is in terms of a percentage of the value of the property. So if you buy a property at £100,000 and the government give you the £25,000, then when, when you come to sell your property, then you will have to give back 25% of the price that you achieve when you come to sell the property. So whilst you don't have to pay any interest on the money from day one, ultimately you end up having to pay 
the money back plus any increase in terms of the valuation of the property according to the percentage that you have borrowed. So the example there is £100,000. That's the purchase price. You get 25 k from the government. You end up having to pay 25% back to the local to, to the government so it can be expensive so what i always suggest is that if you're going to be getting the first home fund then you should treat the first home fund amount as a second mortgage and as quickly as possible try and pay that back you can pay it back in five percent chunks and i would be treating it like a second mortgage and trying to get rid of that I think it's great if you don't have a deposit. I think that if you've got that golden 10% deposit, then I don't think the first home fund should be for you. I think you need to think long and hard as to whether or not you take up the first home fund. Where it can sometimes benefit those who've got a 10% deposit is that if we, as we're in at the moment, we're in a frothy market where a lot of the stuff is going for higher than home report value. If you've got your 10% deposit, what you could potentially do is you could use 5%, which would be your 5% to get you access to the first home fund. And then you could use the other 5% to bid over the home report value. And so therefore, what you could do is you could use your 5% deposit and then use the, the first home fund for the remaining part of the deposit. And in order for you to be competitive, then you can use your other 5% and bid over the home report value. So that might be a reason why if you've got a 10% deposit, you would still want to go for the first home fund. But ultimately, if you have got 10% and you can buy a property at home report value, which in this market might be quite tough, I would always go down the route of just the 10%. Because as I say, it's expensive, expensive lending you're going to have to pay. The best part of £1,200 in additional legal costs and also the cost of the £550 in connection with the uh, getting the first home fund. So it, it, it can be expensive and you need to be aware of that before you start looking at the first home fund. The next thing to talk about is making sure that once you've got the first home fund you treat it as a second mortgage so this is my concern that you buy the property as a first time buyer now generally first time buyers are not going to be staying in that property for much more than five years and the re then the way that you are able to get out and buy another property is that you will probably save some more money but a, lo a lot of that deposit for the next property is going to come from the profit that you make from the sale of your first property. So if you've got to give up to 25% back to the government of the profit that you've made, there's not going to be that much profit left for you to be able to use 
and go up the property food chain. So you may come into a situation where you've outgrown your property. You want to then move on, but because you're having to repay the government, the, the £25,000, then... So what is going to potentially end up happening is that you're going to end up having to stay in the property longer because you're not going to make enough profit out of the property to be able to make the next step. So if you are ending up going down the route of the first home fund, I would treat it as a second mortgage and try as best as you can to focus on paying that down as quickly as possible. Because if you can get to a situation where you've taken the money from the first home fund and you've paid that down over a five-year period or however long, then all of that money that you're going to make when you come to sell the property can be utilised in order to step up on the property ladder. So that's really where we're coming from as far as the First Home Fund. Great initiative from the government, but again, as with all these kinds of initiatives, there are pros and cons with it. If you need to have a chat about it, then give me a shout. The contact details are on the website. We're going to circle back round next week with another show. That'll be number 77. Get in touch with us. If you've got any stories about the market, always pleased to hear of those. We're on Instagram. Join us there. We're on Facebook. Again, join us there. And LinkedIn, you can catch up. LinkedIn. We're doing a lot of good blogs. If you're interested in Buy to Let, then a lot of good stuff on the website as far as the blogs are concerned. Blogs on Buy to Let, No Income, Buy to Let, Limited Company. We're going to throw something out on the first home fund. And also we've got, I think, a blog on missed payments and mortgage payments that you've missed. So all good stuff there. If you're needing assistance on the mortgage front, then it's a good place to start your searching. I am going to knock this on the head. We'll circle back next week. Have a good week. Pick up the phone. Call Johnny. Start backing.